Welcome to Boosting Your Financial IQ, a podcast for investors, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals looking to transform their organizations and lives through greater financial literacy. I'm Steve Coffrin, and I'll be your guide as you seek to better your financial life. I turn around, grow, and invest in high potential companies, and I'm here to teach you the fundamentals of accounting and finance so you can speak the language of money and act intentionally to drive greater financial value. Are you ready? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Before we get started, remember that this content is for educational purposes and should not be construed as financial or legal advice. See the podcast notes or byfiq.com for a full list of disclaimers, terms, and conditions. Now on to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Fin Weekly, where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. My name is Steve Coffrin, and today is Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, and we're gonna be kicking things off with a big bet that's happening in the world of infrastructure. Steve Eisman, the renowned investor who predicted the housing bubble crash back in 2008, is now focusing on US infrastructure as his new big bet. In an interview, he highlighted the potential for companies to benefit from significant government spending in areas such as manufacturing and decarbonized energy. Eisman particularly emphasizes the importance of upgrading the U.S. electrical grid, estimating a massive investment of around $200 billion to $300 billion in total. Specifically, he mentions Quantum Services Incorporated as an example of a stock that has already seen substantial growth due to infrastructure opportunities. While he acknowledges challenges in the sector, Eisman believes the time for infrastructure investments is crucial, though he recognizes the need for faster execution. Eisman also comments on the financial and real estate sectors expressing confidence that the current challenges don't compare to the scale of the 2008 crisis. He did say, however, that he remains skeptical about commercial real estate opportunities, noting major players returning properties due to impending debt obligations. So what do Eisman's predictions about U.S. infrastructure say about the future of the economy? Well, the infusion of billions of dollars into infrastructure projects can have a serious positive effect by stimulating job creation, boosting economic growth, and driving investment in various other sectors. Upgrading the electrical grid in particular can support the transition to cleaner energy sources and facilitate the electrification of consumption, such as electric vehicles. And I'm totally on board with this. This investment can also address existing infrastructure strains and promote sustainable development. In general, these improvements to infrastructure can enhance productivity, connectivity, and overall economic competitiveness. However, the timely execution of these projects is crucial for maximizing their impact on the economy. Overall, Eisman's emphasis on infrastructure investment signals potential opportunities for economic expansion and transformation. So that is good news for you because I know in the recent episodes with Finn Weekly, I've been talking about a lot of negative things that have been happening in the economy, but like I continue to emphasize, I am bullish on the future. And did you know, I was a CFO of a very large utility scale solar company. And during this time, I learned about the tremendous opportunity that exists in the energy sector. So given all this, I'm really excited about what's to come. 
Up next, let's take a look at what's going on in the global stock markets. It seems like global stocks have taken a downturn as worries about the global economy and interest rates hinder a second quarter rally. In Europe, several industries have been impacted following a 1% decline on their main equity gauge, including Sartorius AG, which dropped 15% after issuing a larger than expected profit warning. And in the UK, short-term borrowing costs reached 5% for the first time since the global financial crisis, raising concerns about inflation and the potential for more aggressive monetary tightening. Meanwhile, in China, major tech companies have faced a drop in their stock prices due to false hope over additional stimulus following China's cabinet meeting last Friday, which never materialized. Companies including Alibaba, JD.com, and Baidu experienced declines, which dragged the tech index in China down by as much as 2.9%. Understandably, the absence of tangible evidence for support raises concerns about the slowing economy, unsettling investors who had previously invested in Chinese equities in anticipation of the stimulus. In the U.S., traders might find themselves torn between the excitement of the ongoing rally and concerns that it may have exhausted its momentum, potentially resulting in an overbought market. Wall Street's rally has managed to wipe out over a year's worth of losses caused by the Fed's 10 consecutive rate hikes. In addition, things are looking up for the S&P 500 index, which completed its fifth consecutive week of gains, surpassing its levels from the start of the Federal Reserve's tightening campaign. Now, before you get too excited about this, make sure you exercise caution when investing in equities because with inflation and the tightening of monetary policy, I think there's gonna be more pain and more downward pressure on the earnings of companies, which will ultimately impact stock prices. So make sure you do your research and your homework before you go investing. Looking ahead, market participants are eagerly awaiting Fed Chair's Jerome Powell's semi-annual report to Congress, which is scheduled for Wednesday. Now remember, the recent Federal Reserve meeting resulted in unchanged interest rates accompanied by warnings of further tightening. Right now, the forecast suggests that borrowing costs will rise to 5.6% in 2023 and suggests that additional quarter point rate hikes before the end of the year are a possibility. Some more European news. European Central Bank officials have expressed a somewhat cautious agenda with regards to monetary policy. This week, both the ECB, VP, and other council members have emphasized the importance of balancing inflation management, financial stability, and economic growth to ensure a sustainable and stable economy. How exactly do they plan to do that? So far, Giannis, a member of the ECB Governing Council, has expressed caution regarding interest rate increases and their potential impact on the economy. While he acknowledged the possibility of ending rate hikes this year, he also emphasized the need for a gradual and measured approach to prevent a recession. So although the end of the upward interest rate cycle is approaching, they're not exactly where they want to be yet. Right now, their focus is on determining the appropriate level and duration of interest rates to effectively manage inflation. The ECB recently raised borrowing costs by 0.25% or 25 basis points, aiming to address inflation projected to surpass the 2% target by 2025. Furthermore, the European Central Bank Vice President stated that while inflation is expected to remain moderate, 
the decline in core price pressures may not be as significant as people are hoping, emphasizing that the underlying prices could face limitations when it comes to just how far they will slow down. For ECB policymakers, core inflation has become a crucial measure in their efforts to achieve the 2% target and navigate the ongoing monetary tightening cycle. The future trajectory of core inflation will likely play a significant role in determining whether interest rate hikes will continue into the fall. I really sympathize with these guys. It's definitely a balancing act, and these remarks highlight the complexity of managing inflation and the challenges faced by the ECB in achieving their targets. While overall inflation may ease, the persistence of core price pressures suggests a need for continued attention and careful monitoring to ensure things don't suddenly destabilize and fall apart altogether. And in other news, Warren Buffett is making moves in the Japanese market. Berkshire Hathaway Incorporated has increased its stake in five Japanese trading houses, raising its average investment to over 8.5% now holding stakes in some major Japanese companies. Buffett had previously announced his plans to boost stakes in these companies during his trip to Japan in April, leading to record high stock prices for the firms. And that's not all. Berkshire has already said that they plan to further increase their investments to up to 9.9% in each company. What does all that mean for the markets? Well, Warren Buffett's investment signify a positive outlook for both the companies and the broader Japanese economy. The surge in profits reported by the trading houses fueled by high commodity prices and a weak yen also reflects favorable market conditions. As for their other investors, well, these companies which are involved in various sectors such as gas trading and salmon farming have been utilizing their profits to carry out buyback programs, thereby enhancing shareholder value. So that's something worth considering. The rise in Japanese stock prices, driven in part by Buffett's involvement, demonstrates increased investor confidence in the country's economy as it highlights the potential for growth and stability. However, it's worth noting that the market may have already factored in Buffett's purchases, suggesting that the potential for further upside may be limited. Further developments will depend on factors such as commodity prices, foreign exchange rates, and overall market conditions. Moving on, SoftBank CEO Masasoshi Sun is due to speak out for the first time in seven months at the company's annual shareholder meeting. Amongst regular investors, cash-strapped startups are also eager to hear what the tech investors' next moves are. Although the Tokyo-based conglomerate still has a huge amount of debt on its shoulders, SoftBank says it plans to take their AI chip design arm public. From where things stand now, their IPO prospects look promising. Talks with potential anchor investors like Intel Corp and the hype around generative AI are cause for this positive outlook. Arm has said that they aim to raise up to $10 billion and brokerage firms are raising their price targets for SoftBank's stock, which has already gained about 25% in the June quarter. Despite these positive signs, SoftBank's flagship Vision Fund investment unit is still facing challenges, including consecutive quarterly losses. SoftBank's investment activity has significantly slowed down, impacting the startup ecosystem as a whole. In the current quarter, SoftBank invested about $550 million in seven startups, a far cry from the $15.6 billion spent by the Vision Fund in the same quarter two years ago. So here's what you should know. SoftBank's actions have the potential to significantly impact the economy, particularly in the technology and startup sectors. 
As a major tech investor, SoftBank's investment decisions can influence the flow of capital and drive the growth and innovation of other companies. Successful IPOs and investments can also stimulate job creation, attract capital, and promote technological advancements. So these are all reasons to feel positive. However, we should still remain realistic as SoftBank muddles through some of their challenges. Regardless, market sentiment and investor confidence are closely tied to SoftBank's performance, affecting overall economic growth in the tech industry. So that's something to keep in mind as things develop. In a positive turn of events, builder confidence has reached a high point in June. With buyers flocking back to the market following an 11-month period of uncertainty, the National Association of Home Builders Index rose for the sixth consecutive month on this increasing sentiment. So what's going on? While incentives from home builders saw a slight increase in June with 56% offering incentives compared to 54% in May, the number of builders reducing prices actually decreased to just a quarter down from 27% in May and 30% in April. The limited inventory in the resale market can be attributed to elevated mortgage rates making existing homeowners hesitant to sell. In fact, approximately 35% of homes for sale are new builds, which is a crazy amount higher than the historical average of 10 to 15%. Despite these challenges, major builders have raised their sales forecast for the rest of the year. And last but not least, the supply chain has also shown signs of improvement with lower lumber costs and a slightly easier hiring process. However, project financing continues to present a serious obstacle as obtaining builder and developer loans has become more difficult over the past year. Overall, the housing market is currently favoring home builders and we'll have to see to what extent people are going to take advantage of this. So there you have it. This has been an, a more upbeat version of Fin Weekly. Thank you for joining me and tuning in. If you're listening to the audio version of this on a podcast, you can download the free app, Boosting Your Financial IQ, in the Apple app or Google Play Store and get access not only to the video version of Fin Weekly, which is really cool to help you visualize these things a lot easier, but also there are a ton of free tools and other great content that awaits you in the app. So make sure you download that app and check it out. In the meantime, keep boosting your financial intelligence, keep being an active participant in the BYFIQ community. I really appreciate you. I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to facilitate these conversations and to host Finn Weekly. So once again, get out there, meet people, you know, take big, bold, calculated risks, and don't forget to always work ambitiously to learn and to boost your financial IQ. All right, that's all for now. I hope you have a great week. Cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.